Thank you, Pastor Lucas and worship team. Well, little Timmy and his mom walked to school every day. When finally one day, Timmy said to his mom that he was old enough to walk by himself or with his friends. Well, his mom was very worried about him, but wanting him to feel like she was giving him some freedom, she allowed him to start walking to school with his little friends. So every morning, he would meet with his friends and they would walk to school. Well, after about a week, one of his friends noticed that there was always a lady and her daughter walking behind them. So Timmy's friend said to him, There's, do you notice this lady who's always walking behind us almost every day to school and from school with her daughter? Timmy said, oh yeah, I've noticed her. He says, do you know who she is? Timmy said, I have a pretty good idea. So his friend said, well, who is she? Timmy said, well, every night before I go to sleep, my mom makes me say this prayer. And so the lady and her daughter are Shirley Goodness and Marcy because they shall follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> so I better get used to it. <laughs> Well, this morning, our theme is get ready for revival. And as we prepare for our revival services starting on October 22nd, we want to ask the Lord to help us as we get ready indeed for revival. In the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, Peter, we see, addresses the crowd, and from his address, they experience a great revival. And so this morning, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 36. Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 36. And we will read to verse 41. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word. Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 36. This is what the word of the Lord says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for this privilege of learning from you and hearing from you. And we just pray that indeed your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning. May you help us indeed to get ready for the great revival that you have in store for us. And we pray that you would help us as we hear your word and as we respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. 
So we see that the early church was going, was growing rapidly. Their numbers continued to grow day by day. The Holy Spirit was powerful and was working through these disciples. The Holy Spirit was the one who was changing and convicting and helping them and just using these mere men as his instrument and his tool. And see, they experienced a great revival. They experienced changes and transformations. And sometimes we can look at the gospels, we can look at the scriptures, and we can say, how come we're not experiencing that kind of revival today? How come we're not seeing these changes? Well, you see, it's the same Holy Spirit and the same God working today. And we too can experience that great revival. But we need to prepare ourselves. We need to get ready for it. And we need to pray that the Lord would send it. And so this morning, from this scripture passage, I want to suggest some ways that we can get ready for revival. And the first one is this. Get ready by understanding that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. You see, first and foremost, we need to recognize who God is. We need to recognize who we're serving and why we're serving him. We need to give glory and honor to his name. You see, we have the privilege of worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in the scripture in verse 36, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Both Lord and Messiah. You see, when Jesus came, not only was he Jesus, a man, but he was God in flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. You see, when we talk about Jesus, we're not talking about a, a completely different person, but we're talking about God himself. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He is Lord and he is Messiah. Do you recognize him as Lord and Messiah of your life? Do you recognize him for who he is? Jesus is so great. And can you imagine how great it must have been for the people in that day to walk and to talk with him, to be in his midst, to dwell among him? Well, the same privilege is ours because God is with us. His Holy Spirit is living in us. He is with us all the time. So we too have that opportunity. So who is Jesus? Well, one poem writes, he had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives again. That is who Jesus is. That is our King and our Messiah. And it is only by Jesus that we can be saved. It is only through him that we have direct access from God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 to 12 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledges that 
that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. You see, there is no name under heaven by which we must be saved. It is only the name of Jesus. This morning we sang that song, What a Beautiful Name, because it is a beautiful name. A beautiful name because it is the name that saves us. It is the name that changes us. It is the name that transforms us. It is the name that gives us hope and salvation. It is the name that we call upon in the good times and the bad times. It is the name that gives us hope because there is an eternity. It is the name that has opened up the doorway of eternal life for us. It is the name by which we must be saved. Call on the name of Jesus. It is such a great name. That's why God tells us not to take his name in vain because there is so much power in the name of Jesus. It is a holy name. And it is the only one that can save us. And we must recognize that, that nothing else in this world can save us. It is only Jesus. We need him. We need to call upon him. We need to acknowledge him for who he is. You see, no Mary, no Allah, no Buddha, no saints, nothing in this life can save us except Jesus Christ. He is the only way to heaven. When other people say, there are different paths to heaven. They're only fooling themselves and being deceived because he is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no man who comes to God except through me, and that is the only way. Van Hefner put it this way. He says, revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. That is truly what it is. When we fall in love with Jesus all over again, we will experience true revival. We need to experience a relationship with him. We also can get ready for revival by number two, realizing our sins and repenting realizing our sins and repenting. In verses 37 and 38, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we realize that compared to a holy God, we are sinners, we need to do exactly that. We need to repent of our sins. We need to turn from our ways, repent of our sins, and ask God to forgive us. God reveals to us our sinful ways. God convicts us of those things. But how good it is to know that not only does he convict us, but he helps to make it possible for us to be forgiven. He wants us to come to him confessing our sins, asking for forgiveness. And when we come to him and confess, the Bible says that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We only need to come before him asking him to forgive us, asking him, but not just coming regularly just to 
ask for the sake of asking, but to truly repent means to change our ways. To truly repent means to turn away and to do something different. And the bottom line is that we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of God's glory, but yet his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And even when we mess up, he is there ready to forgive us. Are we turning to him and are we experiencing true revival? The other day I was in a store and I was specifically looking for something, but I had a list because this is not one of those stores that you just go and you browse through. So I needed specifically a couple items and so I was looking for something and then I couldn't remember what the other two items were, but I knew I had written them down and I put the list in my purse. Do any of you make lists and do that? Okay, so I put the list in my purse and so while I was in the aisle and I had picked up, you know, the item that I needed to get, I was looking for the list of the other items. So the way that I was holding it, I was opening my purse and going in and fidgeting, and I was trying to remember because I couldn't find it. So I started looking around thinking, well, maybe I can figure out, you know, by looking around, maybe it'll jog my memory of the other items that I needed because I couldn't find the list. Well, as I was doing that, my purse open, holding the item, looking around, I noticed a man staring at me. And I thought, well, what are you looking at? I'm busy. You know, he was an older gentleman and he was looking at me. So anyways, I couldn't find the list, so I closed my purse, moved on, and you know, I'm looking around as if I'm lost, but you know, I go into the next aisle. The man again came behind me and, and he's looking. So, from the way that he was looking, I knew from previous experience that this is one of the stores that have undercover security, okay? So, I knew now who he was, and I knew he was looking at me because I looked as if I was stealing, okay? Because even I thought I look as if I'm stealing. So, I put the item back so he wouldn't think I'm trying to put it in my purse, and I knew he was watching me. So I decided I was not going to pick up anything else and make it look like if I'm trying to steal something, because I wasn't, but just from that action before, it looked like I was trying to steal. So I knew he was watching me, so, you know, I went into the other, I was trying to remember what I was trying to get, but I couldn't. But, you know, I wasn't touching anything, I wasn't walking too close, I didn't open my purse, because I knew he was watching me, Okay. So anyways, I ended up leaving the store not even buying anything that I needed on my list because I was so afraid this man is thinking I'm stealing, he's going to confront me, he's going to find out I'm a pastor, and you know, there's going to be big news articles, late pastor steals light bulbs, and you know, anyways, so I decided I just left the store. And as I was thinking about it this week, I thought to myself as I was preparing, how many times when we know that God is watching... Do we, you know, we do the right thing, but then we forget. When we don't remember that he's watching, when it's not as obvious, how we live our lives just the way that we want, how we go about doing our own thing and we forget about him until we realize that he's watching again. And then we'll come and, and we'll repent and we'll say sorry and then we go back just to our own ways, doing our own thing as if he's not there. It's the same thing when you're driving and all of a sudden a police car drives behind you. 
Well, you hold the steering wheel with both the hands, start looking in your rearview mirror, you know, you make sure you don't touch anything that you're not supposed to, and, and you're just driving because you know the police is watching you. He's driving behind you. But, you know, the thing is that God lives with us. He dwells with us. He is always here. He's always present. And so we need to remember that he's always watching. And so maybe we need to remind ourselves of that. And we need to stop going places that we shouldn't be going. Maybe we need to stop watching things that we shouldn't be watching. Maybe we need to stop engaging in conversations that we shouldn't be engaging in or stop hanging out with certain people that we shouldn't be hanging out with. You see, God is always with us. Whether we realize it or not, he lives with us. He walks with us. He dwells with us. And we need to remember that. Are we coming before him? confessing our sins, and truly repenting. Repenting means being truly sorry, turning away from that sin, and not doing it intentionally again. Let's look to the Lord and ask him to help us, because it's only then that we will experience true revival. Let us take responsibility from our actions and truly change our ways. The church is a place where we can experience the presence of God. But you see, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so let us remember that. When we come before the Lord, we can confess our sins and know that he forgives us and cleanses us, and we can repent. Well, we can also get ready for revival by number three, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, allowing the spirit to move. In verse 38, it says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, as believers, through God, his Holy Spirit lives in us. When we truly have repented of our sins, when we truly have asked the Lord to come into our heart, his Holy Spirit enters in and lives in us. And we can feel God's Spirit move. And we can feel his Spirit lead us and guide us and direct us and to bring about conviction in us. But not only is his Holy Spirit there, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. We can allow the Holy Spirit in but we also need to allow him free reign to move. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to move? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, to speak through us, to transform us? Because it is when we allow the Holy Spirit free reign to do that where things will happen. We see that the people there, the believers, experience the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helped to change them from the inside out. And he too is able to help us today. He is able to help to change and transform us, to help us to overcome addictions and bad habits. He's able to empower us to live for Christ. He's able to speak through us. He is able to help us in ways that we never thought possible. You see, regardless of our age or spiritual maturity, God is able to use you. Despite who you are, despite where you've come from, God is able to use you through his Holy Spirit if we allow him 
to. Sometimes we may think, who am I that God would want to use me? I don't have any special gifts or talents or I don't have anything much to offer. But you see, if we are willing, God is willing to use us. And so his Holy Spirit can move and work through me. Are we saying, Lord, come and have your way in my life. Come and lead me. Come and move. Come and speak through me. Because it is then that we will experience the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. The Holy Spirit lives in us as believers, but we need to allow him the opportunity to move and to transform us. Another way that we can get ready for revival, number four, is by getting rid of the hindrances in our lives. Getting rid of the hindrances in our lives. In verse 40, it says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You see, Peter urged the church to watch out and to not be swayed by the corruption that was going on in the world at that time. And unfortunately, today, there is a lot of corruption going on. Unfortunately, today, in our world, it is no different. There are still so many things that are going on. And the sad part about it is that very few people regard God's standards anymore. But it's whatever makes you feel good. Whatever the crowd is going and doing, that's the way that we're going to do. Whatever you want to do, you go for it. But you see, God wants us to get rid of those things that stand in the way of truly serving him and serving him fully, of truly putting his commands and his laws and his expectations. When the world tells us it's okay, we need to go back to God's word and says, no, this is the standard of truth. When the world says that you can do whatever you feel like, say no, because God tells us how we can live a full and abundant life. You see, there are temporary pleasures in the world, but it is only God's word and it is only God that gives us entire satisfaction. It is only him that can fill us and help us. It is only him that can satisfy us for eternity. And we need to go back to his word and get rid of the things that hinder us, get rid of the things that are holding us back. Some of those things may be toxic relationships, unhealthy relationships. Those are things we need to get rid of. Maybe that's for you, bad habits, certain things in your life that you know that you need to cut out, whether it's swearing, whether it's um, doing drugs, whatever it may be, bad habits, get rid of them. Maybe it's a certain addiction that you know that you need to let go of because it's standing in the way of your relationship with God. Maybe it's simply an ungodly lifestyle that you need to stop with that you need to let go of. Maybe it's the bad company that you keep or a certain sin. Whatever it is, he tells us not to give in to this corrupt generation, but to stand firm. When the world tells us that it's okay to stand firm on the word of God, to stand firm to his truth, when the world tells us otherwise and tries to sway us, we need to go back to God's word and say, no, this is what God says. You see, the church will be 
persecuted. We as believers will experience persecution. We will experience lots and it's about, it's coming. It's coming. In this world we see what's being taught in our educational systems. We're seeing what the news and, and the laws that are changing. We're seeing that there's a neutral gender bathroom going on. We see that people are saying that it's okay for two men and two women to get married. We're seeing that it's okay for things to happen when we go back to God's word and he says, that's not what I intended. And we need to get rid of the corruption. We need to stand firm for what we believe in and not turn and say, well, it doesn't affect me because it does. It does. And it may not affect you, but it will affect your grandchildren. It will affect your great-grandchildren. It will affect the generation that is to come. And as Christians, we need to stand together firm on what we believe in, what the Word of God teaches. You see, we're so careful not to offend anyone except God. We're so careful to be politically correct, but when it comes to God, it doesn't matter. Let's start getting rid of those hindrances, and let's start looking to God and His Word. The world needs Jesus. The world needs him. And we need to pray that this would be a city that comes back to him. That this would be a country, that this would be a world that puts him first. That he would be the center. A father was reading the newspaper one day when his little daughter came in and started to talk to him. And, and he, he was a little annoyed, and so he tried to, to give her something to do, but she kept coming back and, and wanting to, to do something. And so he took a piece out of his newspaper, and, he, and on the newspaper it was a picture of the world, right? A picture of the world. And so he decided he was going to tear it into little pieces and give it to her to put together. So he thought, you know, this is going to keep her busy for, for a good while because she'll need to figure out the different places and where it fits together and how the world fits together. So she went into another room and within a couple of minutes, she came back and she had it all fit together. Well, the father was puzzled as to how she, this little girl was able to put it back so perfectly. How all the pieces lined up and how it matched and everything was in order. And he asked her how she was able to do it so quickly. She says, oh, that was easy. On the back of the picture, on the back of the paper was a picture of Jesus. And you see, Daddy, when I put Jesus together, the world came together as it should be. When we put Jesus as the center, the world and our lives come together as it should be. When we put him first, when we seek him and his ways, we will experience true revival. May we get ready for the revival that's coming. May we get ready for what God has in store for us. May we get ready for not only what he has in store for us personally, but what he has in store for this church, what he has in church store for this community, for this world. And may we get ready because the Holy Spirit is moving. Amen. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you.
that you are a great God. We thank you, Father, for who you are and the fact that you are so great and worthy to be praised. And Lord, we pray that indeed you would help us as we recognize who you are as the Lord and Messiah of our lives. As we recognize that, we pray that, God, you would help to bring about the changes in our lives for us to come to you acknowledging our sin and confessing and repenting of our ways, oh God. We pray that you would help us as we are changed and transformed in your image and may you continue to work in and through us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move and would have free reign. We pray that God you would help to speak to us and and help convict us of the things that need to be changed and we pray that as we look to you that Lord you would help us to stand firm on your word to get rid of the things that are holding us back from going into a deeper relationship with you. We pray that we would not be swayed, that we would not be stumbled by the ways of the world, but that, God, we would be changed and transformed and that we would not conform to the image of this world. But, Lord, help us as we continue to set our eyes on Jesus. May you continue to be in our midst. May you continue to be in our lives. And may you continue to experience the honor and glory that is due your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Congregation, would you stand?